today, uh, I want to uh, pick up on the theme that has just excited me. Um, it's called Building a Better You. We are now cutting a new path, and that is truly, truly um, in my heart. I'm trying to find a new way to do what I do, so I call it cutting a new path. That's the theme for the year. But the answer, the question for the year is, how do you do that? How do you cut a new path for your life? In our graphic, we have a guy walking down the road, and he has, he's cutting this new path in his walk. And then we have um, this theme that we'll talk about this month and next month that will answer the question, how does he do that? How do you cut a new path? You, you first start with yourself, building a better you. That's how it all changes. Now, some people are focused on changing somebody else. They want to change the neighbors. They want to change their friends. But I think it starts with you changing you. So would you please look with me and repeat the day's topic, please? Say, how to build, how to build a, better you. a better you. Don't be fearful. Don't be fearful. Say it again. Say, don't, don't be fearful. Be fearful. One of the things I like about sermon preparation is I get a chance to talk to the team first. We have these talk-throughs, and in these talk-throughs, they ask me great questions. And one of the things that I, I, I found in our, in our discussions about this topic is how hard it is to admit you're afraid of something, how hard it is to see what you're afraid of sometimes. There is a verse I want to read to you, and you, you, if you were here earlier, you heard it in our early verse. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and, and self-discipline. That's the New Living Translation. The King James, you've heard forever, right? For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. That's the famous verse. So I thought it'd be great to just take that verse apart and talk about how that verse applies to this topic. But I thought it'd be great, first of all, to define what fear was. And it basically is an unpleasant emotion caused by the belief that someone or something is dangerous, likely to cause pain or a threat, a feeling of anxiety concerning the outcome of something. That's what fear basically means in the Oxford Dictionary. Now, I want you to think about this question today. What are you afraid of and why? Come on, say, what am I afraid of and why? Now, a lot of the guys are going to say, I'm not scared of anything. I understand. That's the manly thing to say. But I want you to listen to a man talk to another man, Paul talking to Timothy. And he talks about the temptation to be fearful. And so there are four things that should not be true in our lives, that should be true in our lives, according to Paul. First of all, we should not be fearful or timid. And that kind of relates back to what we talked about last week, being fragile. To build a better you, you must, first of all, you can't be fragile. This week I'm saying you can't be fearful. I love the way that Paul frames this. He says you can't be, you should not be timid. The Greek word, by the way, and, and this is not a normal thing for me to do, but I want to just show you this. Basically, the Greek word means that you shouldn't be fragile. That's what the word basically means. And the second one, uh, I want you to notice we forgot the parentheses there, but you, you overlooked that. We should have power. The word dunamis is used. And that's word, that word really means, is, is all dunamis is all about ability. The, the person has the ability. So you should have ability and you shouldn't be fragile. Thirdly, we should, we should have love. The word agape, you've heard that word a lot in your, if you're a church person. And that has to do with how you treat people. And it has to do with the fact that I treat you with kindness no matter what you do. 
Your love is not conditional. I'm not treating you kindly because you're kind to me. Agape goes past that. Then, fourthly, we should have self-discipline. And that word, and, and some, some people misunderstand this, but it, it's really all about controlling yourself. It's being in control. So I should be a person who is not fragile, a person who has ability, a person who loves people, cares for people, and a person who's in control of himself. That's what Paul said we should be like. Now, that's, that's nice to say, but that doesn't last. Because you know what happens? Life. Life shows up, and it's just not that perfect. Disappointments show up. And when those things set in, you can find yourself struggling. You got married, you were happy, and then all of a sudden now you see this person up close and you're disappointed. You're a little nervous. Did I make the right choice? Did I say I do to the right person? Or should I have said I don't? <laughs> Thirdly, sometimes you confuse. And I love this. When confusing and hard to explain things happen, it can intimidate you. So, for example, look at me for a second. If I were to say to you, okay, you are facing a divorce or you are in a divorce or you had a divorce. If you try to explain that to people, you say, well, it kind of, no, well, and you just kind of strain because you don't know where to start. You have your side, but you know their side, and so now you're divorced and you can't quite explain it. And then also when limits show up in your life, that's what can cause you to fear. Boundaries, you don't have the money. You just don't make that kind of income. You're struggling with yourself to make it work. Everybody has boundaries. Say it with me, please. Come on. Everybody has. Everybody does. And, and when you face those boundaries, it can be hard. Now, what I've done is I've, I've said some stuff that's really going to surprise you. I listed my seven temptations, seven fears. And look at the preacher. Don't cheat. You're looking already. Right. Pay attention. Watch me. See, I give you notes, but you, you know, I know how to do it. I got to see, I got to see. Seven things I wrote down that are incredibly honest. There's no holding back. As a matter of fact, I ran into a conversation about these seven things, and they challenged me on some of them. And so I want to talk to you about them, and, and these are the seven things that I am tempted to fear. No matter what Paul said, these are my seven things. Ready? Number one. Repeat it with me, please. I am tempted to fear. Being too, short. being too short. Some of you say, what do you mean by that? <laughs> I'm tempted to fear that I will be too short. I read a book this week. Now, I wasn't going to say the name of the book, but in the last service, you know, on Saturday service when I preached a sermon, that, you know, whenever I mention a book, you people look at me and you give me that look like, what's the name of the book? I wasn't going to tell you the name of the book because of what I was going to say. Because I thought you might misunderstand and not, you know, think, think I'm, I'm taking an elbow at the author, and I'm not. So let me just say this first, okay? I'm going to tell you the name of the book because you don't do well without me telling you the name of the book. That's how you people are. You, you put me through this, so I have to, I'm this transparent thing. We got a relationship. So am I right about that or not? Okay, good. So no matter what I said, I wouldn't get past this. I had planned not to tell you, but since you, you're you, I have to deal with you. Now, here we go. I want to say this first. I like the book. What did I just say? One more time. Say, I love the book. I love the book. I like the book. I like the author. Okay? This has nothing to do with him. It has to do with a process I went through reading the book. I went through it about in a day. I know that's fast. But I scan and read it. Okay? I, went, I went through pretty fast. Most of the stuff in there I've read and know about. And I'm real familiar with this material. And so I, I love the stats. I love the stories. I love some of the stuff. It's was, it was just phenomenal. Okay? It's a really good book. It just came out. 
It's by a guy named Hogan. It's called The, the Everyday Millionaire. Okay? You ready? How many of you heard of this book? How many of you heard of this book, Everyday Millionaire? Okay, not many of you. Okay. Um, but it's a book that is kind of along the lines of, you know, Larry Bickett, Ron Blue, uh, Dave Ramsey. He's part of Dave Ramsey's group. And it's a really good book, okay? So what I'm about to say has nothing to do with the quality of the book. Everybody with me? Did I say this enough? Come on, talk to me. Did I say this enough? Okay, because what I'm about to say, you misunderstand that. So I want to be clear, okay? All right. The book talks about how millionaires think. It compares itself to the book that was written some time ago. Uh, It's it's sort of like um, The Millionaire Next Door. Have you read that one? And it talks about what millionaires do, what they don't do, and all that kind of stuff. It gives all these statistics about millionaires do this, do that, and buy this, buy that. And it didn't go in some of the detail that the millionaire next door did. It didn't talk about where they buy clothes, like at JCPenney's. In that book, it talked about they bought their suits at JCPenney's, the average millionaire. And the average millionaire doesn't drive a Mercedes, doesn't drive a Lexus, and that kind of stuff. And it just really fascinating stuff. I enjoyed it years ago. Well, in reading his book, it was interesting. I had this moment because everything in the book I didn't do perfectly. Now, let me just say this again one more time. I am a guy who doesn't mind this conversation. And I'm a guy who doesn't have any issue with that. Can I say this humbly, 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 humbly? Say humbly. humbly. I'm trying to be humble, humble, okay? I am a guy who's led an organization to several million dollars over his time, okay? So I'm not afraid of the million-dollar conversation. A guy can't lead you there if he's afraid of it. Amen? Amen. So I'm not talking about anybody making money, okay? We're there? Humble, humble, okay? And, but I'm not trying to brag either. So having said that, when I read the book, it was things in the book that I thought, oh, I could have done a better job with that. Oh, I did that one. Oh, yeah, I made that mistake. So I started feeling short. Are you tracking with me now? And so the challenge is when you read stuff or you study stuff and you see imperfections in your own life that you find yourself struggling with feeling short. And I'm tempted to fear being short. Who wants to be short? You always want to be tall. When you walk into a room, you want to be tall. But here's the deal. When you go to your friend's house and it's nicer than yours, you feel shorter than them. When you deal with people and you go shopping and you know your budget and you don't know their budget, they go buy stuff you can't think about buying. You feel what? Short. Sometimes you look at them in the mirror, you look at you in the mirror, and you feel, guess what? Short. See? And I don't, I, don't, I don't know how you manage those moments. But in those moments, you've got to make a decision. What if millionaire is not my target in life? Maybe I won't be there. Maybe I'm not there after so many years of working. So does that mean I'm a bad person? I'm not disciplined. I don't have life. Does that make sense to you? You can feel short. And I I have to fight that. Pastors go through it. When people ask you, say, what's the size of your church? Now, it depends on who you're talking to. I think one year our I've said this many times before, and I won't say his name because you know who it is, but I said, we had 3,000 people for Easter. I thought that was pretty good. He had 30,000. I felt short. (laughs) Everybody say amen, right? You see, so how do you manage that? How do you manage that in your life? And here's the deal. You've got to have tall people in your life, though. I have tall people in my life, people who make way more money, who do better, who are smarter, better preachers and everything. They're just smarter. I mean, it's great. It's nice, it's nice to engage people. It's nice to engage. Deborah Begay, I'll just I'm throwing this out. She'll love this. I might need to send her this tape that her tell I was talking about her. I wrote a book with her several years ago. Deborah Begay is just smart. Oh, my God. You got to write with her. Ah, it's a journey. 
She's smart. She's gifted. She's talented. She's quick on the draw. And I felt short in the process, but that was a good process. You need to feel, you need to engage people, you need to be around people who challenge your thinking. So I'm not against that, but I have to manage my level of gifting. Romans 12, I have, I think verse 6, I have to manage what I can do, not what you can do. And can we be friends and you be taller than me? Or must I only hang around shorter people? Some of us only like shorter people. So we can rest our hand. How are you? Good. That's the, those are our friends. You have short friends. You have no friends who challenge you. You have no friends who won't put up with you, who won't tell you no. We're not putting up with that. What are you doing? You need a friend. You're getting ready to go out, and they say, what are you wearing? That is awful. Go put something else on. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying that's always the best way to say it to you, but if you don't really pay attention to what you're wearing, you might need a friend who challenges you to look at your nails for real. They are claws. You know what I'm saying? And maybe the hair does need to be a little worked on. You know, it's okay. I don't need to be afraid of people who are taller, but I need to make sure that emotionally I am not drawn into feeling short. I can read a book, not have that income, and be okay with it and take the good out of it and be blessed. Can I get an amen to that? Come on, amen. You got it? Good. See, you got it. You got that. Number two, here's what they didn't like either. You ready? Number one, number two. I'm tempted to, to, I'm tempted to fear I'm too poor. When I mentioned that to the team, they thought, you got to be kidding me. What in the world are you talking about? You can't say that. I said, well, no, it's how I feel. These are my fears. And it was a surprise to them and a surprise to me. And you might say, well, how in the world could you feel that way? You know what I'm saying? You got a nice house. You drive a pretty nice car. You make good income. What are you doing, dude? How do you feel poor? Well, it depends on what you need. For example, let's say you got a million dollars, ready? Got a million dollars cash, but you need four million. You are short. (laughs) You feel poor that day. Because if they're going to foreclose on you because you don't have the other three million, you feel poor. It's all relative. It, it depends on where you are. And there are times when I felt poor. Should have saved more money. Could have had more money. Could have done this. Could have done that. And let me tell you, at every level of income, you fight that. Thirdly, I am tempted to fear I am too slow. Can you believe that? There are times I feel like you get around people and they're zipping and zooming and doing things that are amazing. And then you look at yourself and you feel, I should do more. I'm not going fast enough. But then on the flip side, I'm also tempted to think I'm too fast. I get around some people and they say, slow down. You're doing too much. You're making me dizzy. So if, if a person doesn't travel, right, and, you know, if you're a traveling person like I am and you, you just hop on the road, you were here this week and you were in two cities this week, to, to a person who goes slower than you, that bothers them. So I don't tell them. So where are you going? I'm going out. Be back. Because it bothers them. Certain levels of income, talking about certain, certain investments. If you don't have a staff, it's hard for you to have a conversation about payroll. And, and especially in certain dollar amounts, it becomes complicated because you don't pay health care. You don't, you don't really get that because you you're not paying. You know, there's a whole series of conversations that you would not be involved in if you don't have children or if you have kids or if you're not a manager. I don't know where your issue is, but there are areas where you're too fast and you're too slow. It, it, you struggle. I, I am tempted to fear that sometimes. I get around some people, I'm, I'm too slow. I get around some people, I'm too fast. And then here's a big one. I am tempted to fear that I am not good enough. You can relate to that. Your husband left you, right? Your wife left you, or your friends don't like you anymore. They don't call you back. You tend to feel you're just, for some reason, not good enough. Not good enough preacher. Sermon wasn't good enough today. 
you struggle sometimes, and you have these thoughts. You've lost it, Temple. Last Sunday was your good, best sermon. That's it. You're done. Toast. I'm tempted <laughs> to fear I have offended and lost some people. Yeah. I said something. I gave advice. One of my side gigs is I coach churches a lot, and I coach pastors a lot, and it's hard work. They're a hard bunch. And sometimes, you know, I lose them. I'll say things that bother them. I'll challenge them. You can't do that. Something simple. You can't sleep with your sheep. Oh, I've lost people over that one. You can't do that. I'm sorry. I apologize not being my buddy and hang out with me. I apologize. I say that in love, but no. There are things you just can't, you just, you just, it's amazing to me. But I've lost friends, lost people, and that hurts. You know, it bothers you. you know? And so sometimes you hold back, you're, you're tempted to hold back. And then lastly, I'm tempted to fear I am too late, especially when you get to a certain age. You start feeling like, ah, I should have been here 10 years ago. 20 years ago, which is totally unbiblical, God very seldom uses in Scripture. Find me, find me a person in leadership in Scripture that's a teenager. Find me a person in Scripture that's a toddler. Find me a person. You always have these older people. God waits until you grow a little bit. There's a seasoning process you go through. And I don't need to go through that. I've talked about it a lot. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12 does help bring this together. It's an interesting principle. For we dare not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves. But they, measuring themselves by themselves, and I love this now, and comparing, read this with me, please, come on, and doing what? Comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. There's something about me understanding I'm not you, you're not me, and so if I can get that straight, I'll be better, which brings me to seven things I need to say when fear attacks me. When fear comes into my life and tries to attack me, there are some things I need to say in response to that. Number one, I need to be as tall. I don't need to be as tall as everybody. Can you say that with me, please? Come on. I don't need to be as tall as everybody. I don't need to mock tall people, but I don't need to be as tall as everybody. It's okay. I may need a ladder, but I don't need to be as tall. As everybody. Secondly, I don't need to be as rich as everybody. I can be $500,000 net worth. I don't have to be a million. I can be a million or I can be two million. It depends. It's okay. But I don't need to be you. I need to be as rich as I can be. Everybody got that? Number three, I don't need to be as fast as everybody. I don't need to be. I don't need to be as fast. I didn't put this in there, but I don't need to be as slow either. I can be me. That's an important place to be in your life. Women, you do this to yourself all the time, don't you? Mm-hmm. Measuring yourself against other women all the time. Their hair, their looks, their size. You are your size today. Everybody say amen. amen. You know, you have those good days. I'm feeling good. I'm 184 today. Two claps. I don't like that. That's a bad (laughs) attitude. Hate on me, if you please. Hate. Show some love. (laughs) You just measure yourself against the people all the time. I have been slender all my life. This is the truth. I was slender all my life. I gained a little bit of weight, and I showed it here. And it's looking good now. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) But... Don't clap too loud on that, okay? I don't need you to get all that excited. Oh, yeah, because it was getting out there, Pastor Rick. 
<laughs> but I'm going to tell you, it's amazing how I think I need to be. I used to see people, you know, when, you, when you're slender all your life, um, you admire happier people. And when you get, a, you know, people, when I gained a little bit of weight and people would come up to me and put their hand on my stomach, I said, what in the world are you doing? <laughs> what is that? Well, there, Pastor Rick. And, then, and if you did it, don't feel bad. It's just the truth. I'm just being lovingly honest here. But there's this thing I need to, and I'm not saying I shouldn't be healthy. I think I should always try to be healthy. And I think you need people to challenge you. I think the church, churches, pastors in particular, need people to challenge you to try harder a little bit, okay? But moving past that, there's something about coming to the place where you realize I can't necessarily be that, and I don't need to make every day an emotional weight that I'm carrying about that. I don't need to be the size of everybody. I don't need to be as slow as fast. Lift your hand with me. Please say, I am I me. Am. You're me. You're you, rather. <laughs> I can't worry about how much time. Um, I'm sorry, number four, I can't keep everybody in my life. I will lose some people. That's inevitable. It comes with the territory. It comes with work. I, I wish that all my friends stayed with me, but they didn't. I can't worry about how much time I have. I, I need to work until I die. I can't worry about that. I can't sit there counting the clock all the time. I have my own schedule for success. And my name is, put your name at the bottom of this. Say, my name is. My name is. Say your name, one, two, three. I put on, I put, now I am Ricky Ricardo Temple. That's my name. And it's spelled R-E-2. That's right. It, that's my name. Spelled right or wrong. That's my name. <laughs> Ricky Ricardo Temple. That was on my birth certificate. That's it. I'm done. That's, that, it's important to understand that that's part of the journey. Accepting yourself. And so there are five questions that may help you manage your fears when they come. You ready? Here you go. And we're done for the day. Five questions. How much time do you spend thinking about things that you fear. How much time do you spend? I was spending an unfair amount of time thinking about things that I was afraid of. How much benefit have you gained dwelling on your fears? Does it pay you? Sitting there thinking about it over and over and over and over again. Dwelling on your divorce, you separated, you made a mistake, you went to jail, you went to prison, whatever happened, you're dwelling on it over and over and over again. How much benefit have you gained from that? What person in your life, this is hard, what person in your life feeds your fear? There are people who feed it, and family members in particular, look at the preacher for a minute, you are guilty of this. You, feed, you, mock, you mock weaknesses in people. You, you feed their insecurities, and when they are around you, they know you've given them a nickname that highlights their weakness and fear. You are guilty of tearing down the house. The Bible says a foolish woman plucks down her house. A wise woman builds it. If you have a lazy man, don't call him lazy. Prophesy. I prophesy you are a worker. (laughs) Speak those things that be not as though they were. Go in your children's mess room and declare. I declare this is a clean place in Jesus' name. (laughs) 
if you are the person who's always highlighting weaknesses and flaws in people, it is tragic, the damage you do. What TV shows, movies, or music feed your fear? I, I, I don't watch certain things because it makes me afraid. It makes me feel inadequate. There are some things I just don't participate in. I choose not to go to certain movies. I'm a movie lover. I grew up in L.A. I love Hollywood. I love movies. But that doesn't help me. Watching some guy climb on top of somebody and I won't say anymore, that doesn't help me stay holy in my head. It draws me into stuff I don't want to be drawn into. So I'm not into pornography. and It takes me a place I don't want to be. Why would I want to be there? Do I want to think that way? I don't listen to certain music. I don't like if I listen to profanity, I'll probably start cussing again. <laughs> Some of you didn't like the again part. When was you cussing? When, when, when was that? <laughs> I didn't go to church until I was 15. I used to say a bad word every now and then. And then. Why would I listen to that? So that I, it reminds me of how they go. When will you be free? When will you be free from these fears and grow beyond them? Give me a date. Here's the deal. Look at the preacher guy. There is no date set because you've not set one. How about today? I'm not going to let this dominate me. I'm not going to dwell on this. I'm not going to compare myself. I'm not going to allow these things to dominate me. But it's when you can get honest. Sit down with yourself and do what I just did and list your fears. I am tempted to fear. Write it down. And, and be honest about it. I'm not, that I'm not like my sister. That I'm not going to make enough money. That I'm not going to be a good enough dad. Man, this stuff follows you. Men, oh my God, I feel for you. I feel for you. I feel for you. If a guy who does as well as I do can feel inadequate as a father. What does the guy feel like who's making a minimum wage and struggling with the wife who's talking him down? What if a woman who's gorgeous and feels great, who's done well, looks like a model, feels inadequate? What does a woman feel like if she got a few extra pounds and can't contribute to the household because she doesn't make enough money? You feel inadequate. It's horrible. And you live in this hole emotionally. But today we pray. It's prayer Sunday. Let's all stand. Put your stuff down. Put your stuff down. If you're home, I want you to watch us. Stay with us. I want you to stay with us. I want you to join us in this prayer. God is able to touch you, whether you're in this building or home or wherever you're watching and on demand, wherever you are, God is able to touch you today and give you something that will help you get past your fears. Now, here's what we're going to do. Since this is prayer Sunday, I want you to come to the altar. If there's something I said, a fear you're fighting, something that you're tempted to fear, come on up. Anybody that says, for me, it, it, I need to come to the altar. Some don't, some do. Come. Come up here. If you feel like there's something specific that's in your heart that came to your mind, on this prayer Sunday, I just want to pray for people. I want to pe for people like me, people who say, you know, I get what you said. I fear serving God. I fear that I can't be a Christian. I fear I can't get my life changed. I fear um, a job promotion. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling insecure. Kind of fight, fight your way close. Get, make ways here. Fill in. Come close to the altar. Uh, come closer, would you please? God is able to help you get past those fears. Because here's what he says. God has not given us a spirit of fear. Power, love, sound thinking. Self-control. Sound mind. Self-control. I can control myself. I don't have to accept this. I don't have to let this dominate me. It becomes a daily thought, a weekly thought, 
It's always on my mind. You got a bad medical report, and it's always on your mind. Always on your mind. Fears. Our community, you know, there's been some crime lately. I went to a, a gathering with the chief mentor the other day and some officers and some other folks, and, and uh, the paper said that he held up a newspaper article that said, the article, the, the police department says that the crime is down, but do you feel safe? Fear. Father, I thank you for everyone that's come to this altar and those who are, who are in the audience, those who are home, wherever they are, on demand, I ask you to touch fears today. Whatever we're tempted to fear, we lay it before you. We bind the spirit, God. You said you didn't give us this, so we don't accept it. We now speak to our fears. We now question our fears. God has been faithful to us. Why would we doubt him? So, Lord, we lift up sickness, physical challenge, emotional challenge, mental challenge. We lift up before you, Lord God, this haunting thing in our brain that follows us every single day. And it says to us, we're not going to win. We're not going to win. But I declare in Jesus' name, we will win. Every hand lifted as high as you want to be blessed. Father, we bind this. We speak to it. We declare your word on this prayer Sunday. That you, Lord God, are the God who can heal. That you are the God who can save. You are the God that can deliver. And so we give you honor and we give you praise. I want to pause for a minute. Give God a big praise and a big hand clap right here. Come on. Come on. Come on. Shout. Come on. Come on. Shout. Come on. Give God a big praise. Come on, Lord. We give you praise. Come on. Come on. We give you praise. Come on. We honor you. Thank you for your grace. We thank you for your blessing. We declare in Jesus' name. We declare in Jesus' name. We honor you, Lord God. And so, Lord, we declare by faith that we put our lives in your hand. We put our challenges in your hand. We put the issues that intimidate us in your hand. We declare, oh God, that we trust you and that we believe that the outburst, the outcome of all of this will be your hand. You will win. We will win in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm not finished praying yet. I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you something. I went to a funeral this week of a friend of mine's daughter. She died. She's 40 years old. Bishop Timothy Clark, one of my best buddies in the entire world. And it was horrible. Great funeral in terms of how it was done, but the feeling was horrible. Everybody was there. All the guys you would name. A lot of preachers you know. Jake, Solomon, everybody. A lot of people you'd know. All of us are friends with this great guy. And so I'm there with his family. And you know what's interesting? You know what makes you fear the most? You fear death. You fear death of career, death of yourself, your career, your some type of death. Here's what I tell people because I deal with this every week, every week. I dealt with three this week, two funerals, there's just a lot. The sting of death is fear. It gives it the sting. Here's what I believe. I've got to have a heavenly vision. I've got to elevate my mind and think differently or it will dominate me all of my life. Because I'm in a warfare, I'm in a, I'm in a battle, and, and, and that's part of the battle. My thinking. I asked somebody the other day, I said, what is your thinking strategy? How do you deal with your mind? That's the battlefield. It's right up here. And it leaks into your soul. 
makes you feel bad, drains you of your energy because you're always intimidated. But here's what you do. Decide to die and fight to live. Face it and say, at worst, I will be with Jesus. Come on, say amen. At worst, I'll be with Jesus. Come on, say amen. You with me? I don't want to sound like T.D. Jakes and I are like buddies and we hang out all the time. We don't. We just get to be around each other a little bit every now and then. So, But he, I'll sit next to Marvin. I'm, I'm not dropping names to make fun. I'm just telling the truth. Marvin Winans years ago, we were sitting together in the conference, and he was sitting next to me, and he was just loud as he normally is, just having fun, laying his hands, shouting, ah! <laughs> and he said, touchdown! Every time he said, Jake's preaching, he said, sometimes it's just touchdown. He had, so he'd hold his hand up like this. And, and at his home going, he got up and he had a touchdown. I'm going to tell you, he had a touchdown. He said, when the mother is born, the birth of a baby, that baby, sometimes they have a post, post, post um, part of depression. Mom is feeling the loss of that life that's been in her all this time. That loss, something that was close to her. And he said, I wonder sometimes when I see funerals, so he said, I wonder if it's not grieving because we're being birthed into a new world. The same way a mother grieves that we grieve on this side, but there's something being born into a new world. I said, oh, my God, there's a touchdown. It's when you see it from a heavenly perspective that you stop grieving like this and you stop allowing it to fear. And then you can fight to live. Come on, say man, right? Come on, you can. Come on, give God a big hand. You can fight to live. You fight to live. You have never seen the righteous forsaken. This job is not your whole life. Don't you let them tell you that. Don't you let this relationship tell you that there's no life beyond this relationship. You had a life before this relationship, and you'll have one after it. Come on, say amen. Come on, amen. You'll have one after it. Yes, you will. You cannot be dominated by this. I hope, I hope it works for you, but if it does not work, you don't control but 50% of it. You cannot control all of it. You do not control all the outcomes of your children. Jacob couldn't control his children. Look at Genesis 49. If you want to question, he couldn't control them. Look, God doesn't control all his children. Did you figure that out yet? Come on, say amen. All right about that? God doesn't control all of them. He got some crazy children. Come on, amen. And then God wrote it in the Bible. Let me tell you about my crazy child. Here's what they did. He wrote it all down for you. So parents, get over that. Stop feeling like this. Tell them the truth. Love them, but let God fix it. Come on, amen. Let God teach. And if you got some children that are locked up, they did it. You know they did it. They're guilty. Listen, just send them some money every now and then on commissary and write them a note and say, I love you. And if they can't come back to your house, they can't come back to your house. Whatever it is, then let's deal with it. Don't you feel guilty. So, God, today we close this time laying our fears out before you. Fear of embarrassment, fear of whatever. We lay it before you in the name of Jesus. And we bind the spirit of confusion that has dominated us and kept us from having a good life. So we go knowing that you, you promised to give us life and life more abundantly. But we, we take our thoughts and bring them into subjection to Christ. And we trust you and we give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. amen. Come on, give God a big shout. Come on, give God a big shout. Come on, come on. Come on, give God a big shout. Come on, Lord, we thank you. We give you glory. We give you honor and praise.
in the name of Jesus.